It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome to this very special episode from the Anglo-Italian podcast where we'll be discussing exploding knees and unbelievable dummies. And this particular individual had an amazing record, scoring over 280 goals in over 384 appearances. And I'm delighted to say that we'll be talking about Ronaldo Luis Nazaria de Lima. So to help me discuss this and talk about his career, I'm delighted to say that we'll be talking about a fantastic book as well that goes side by side with this and the author is Daniel Williamson who I've got joining me right now so uh, Dan nice to have you on this evening for the Anglo-Italian podcast special edition Um, how are you doing? I'm great yeah really good thank you and um, enjoying talking about Ronaldo with the book coming out and looking forward to having a chat with you tonight about it as well yeah cannot wait um and I suppose we might as well get into it um, before we kind of go into the history and his stories, I suppose. Um, tell me what inspired you to write this particular book, because, um, yeah, fantastic striker. Uh, for those that didn't know, he broke quite a lot of records in his time. Um, but yeah, what inspired you? So it's my third book now. Um, and after I finished my second book, I started to think about, as you do sort of, whilst you're writing one book, you're almost thinking ahead to the next book. And thinking of ideas and it just struck me that you know Ronaldo was a favorite favorite player of mine as a, as a when you know as a yeah. kid and I looked out there and there were a couple of books that were published around 2002 so around the the World Cup in in South Korea and Japan but nothing since and I thought that there was a gap in the market there to write a book that mm. talked about his whole career and a little bit of what he's doing now and um yeah and and, and there was that, and obviously just the fact that he was a, an idol of mine when I was, um, sorry, he was one. He was one of my idols yeah. um, when um, when I was growing up. You know, I, I was um, growing up as a, a Man United fan, and he was probably the first person that was outside of that bubble, really, mm. that I thought, "Wow, he's amazing." And in the mid nineties, when he was bursting onto the scene, he, you know, it was basically 
football was becoming more global. So, mm. you know, you could see Gazetta Football Italia and then obviously he joined Inter in 97. So you could see him up close there. You could watch La Liga on Sky from 96 when he joined Barcelona. And then obviously, you know, World Cups and things like that. So just as football was becoming more global, he was the sort of the, mm. the rising star, if you like. And uh, I just fell in love with him, just the way he plays the game, the smile he always had on his face. I just thought he was incredible. So that's when it came to write the book, I thought, yeah, it's going to be hard work, as all books are, mm. but I got to spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos, so can't really complain too much. <laughs> when you uh, kind of mentioned about Man United, it instantly conjured up a particular performance he had. I'm sure it already, uh, for our listeners and viewers, they can already start thinking about this. But um, let's start off with your earliest memory of Ronaldo, because obviously he started off very young when he came across to Europe anyway, um, on the advice of his uh, fellow compatriot Romario, um, who recommended him join PSV initially. Um, but was that kind of your earliest memory of him or was it a bit later or before that period? I don't, I, it's always hard to know, isn't mm. it? Like the, where the first memory came from. I do know that, so obviously he joined PSV and I know that at some point Eurosport was showing goals from across Europe on a Monday night. Now, I don't know if that was when he was playing or whether it was afterwards. Um, I also remember, obviously, Transworld Sport, yes. a program on Channel yeah. 4, which showed, you know, sort of the odd bit of football, but they showed random sports <laughs> from all over the world. So um, I definitely remember in 95, he played in the Umbro Cup mm. against England for Brazil at Wembley. Um, and he scored a goal there. It was a bit of a dodgy England team. Tim Flowers was in there. <laughs> John Scales and Colin, Colin Cooper, I think it was. Yeah. Um, was the centre. It was a very experimental team. Yeah. But I remember him scoring. He, he swapped shirts with someone, so I remember him walking around with the Red England yeah. shirt on. Um, Juninho played that day as well, and I think mm. it was only a month or so later that he ended up at Middlesbrough. So I definitely remember that because that was on a Saturday afternoon. It was on ITV or BBC. Um, and we got to see then like this this you know mm. young rising star who was ripping it up in, in Holland. He was in the World Cup in 94, yeah. but he didn't play yeah. a single minute. And then I guess I guess when I really got to watch him close up was on Sunday nights when he played for Barcelona because Sky just started showing La Liga in '96, so you got to see him every week and obviously on the the sort of uh, Revista mm. um, program that they showed every week. So that's kind of where then I, it went into overdrive really, where I could watch him up close and personal every week. And I bought the Barcelona shirt at the time, um, which is probably my first shirt other, other than a United shirt, and um, I absolutely love that shirt, long sleeved. Kappa one, if you if you can think of the one yes, I mean, yeah, and um, just an abs- absolute beauty that shirt. I wish I still had it, but uh, I ran it into the ground, so it's uh, long gone. <laughs> That's a shame. That is a shame. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously at that period when he was at PSV, it wasn't just Barca that were sniffing around him before they eventually signed him. Inter Milan were also interested in him. And um, believe it or not, I even read this up. It, it did seem like Ferguson, Alex Ferguson, had an opportunity at the time to potentially sign him when he was younger, but decided to turn it down. Um, but if we stick with the Barca move, obviously he did transfer for £19.5 million at the time. Um to the likes of uh, Bobby Robson and there was a translator by the name of Jose Mourinho. Um, but yeah, Robson, I think the best quote I got about Ronaldo at the time was, I don't think I've ever seen a player at 20 have so much. And he was just incredible, wasn't he? In that first season, he, he kind of just rip up the books and was scoring for fun at times, wasn't he? Yeah, and I think Robson said afterwards as well that it was probably the best 
Robson's obviously mm. probably trying to take a little bit of credit here, but he's, he's got a point. He said probably the best season that Ronaldo ever had in his career. And, you know, he was still only, what, 19, 20. <laughs> he was so still, a, still a kid, really. Um, but yeah, he was he was incredible. And, and and one thing I noticed, every step of his career, he he sort of took to the challenge. You know, he he, he started off in futsal, then he went to 11 aside and, and he took to that like a duck to water. Then he goes to Cruzeiro, becomes professional. Then he goes to PSV in Europe. Mm. Then he goes to La Liga. And then obviously we'll talk about Serie A later, but every kind of time he stepped up, he just... He just he just sort of ran through it. He didn't. You know, there was no. There was never really an adjustment period. There's never really a sort of you know let let him have a season to bed in. He just he always just hit the ground running. And um, he was just at Barcelona. He was just ridiculous. I think I think it was 47 goals in 49 in all competitions, mm. something like that. And um, you know this was in the era before Messi and Ronaldo yeah. when you know they, they they get a goal a game and it's it's kind of normal now. But before that, people weren't doing it. You know you'd get. You get a centre forward scoring twenty twenty five goals, yeah. and that was that was good. And Ronaldo was the only one who was just scoring for fun, really. Um, and he was just incredible in that mm. season at Barcelona. It's a shame they didn't win the league, but they still won. You know, they won the Spanish Super Cup, they yeah. won the Copa del Rey, and they won the Cup Winners Cup as well. So, still a decent season, mm. but you know, it, it was a, it was a year of turmoil, sort of off the pitch, really, for the club, and and that almost sort of led to his exit really yeah definitely and um just thinking about that period as well you've kind of just evoked that kind of memory for me do you think he was kind of almost like a freak of nature because just how athletic he was he was so strong he couldn't be knocked off the ball and I think we'll go into it later on but there's that famous clip of the uh, French Amy Jacquet's kind of saying well all you have to do is show him on the inside he won't won't be able to do it and there's Turam and Desai saying it doesn't matter which way you go you can't knock him off but was he kind of like a freak of nature at that time a bit like Haaland is these days I suppose yeah I think so I think he was just unstoppable yeah. um you know and and you know the only things that really stopped him was were those injuries yeah. I, I don't know I don't want to sort of say that he, he underachieved because he still had an incredible <laughs> career but you, you know sometimes you do think though, you know, if he hadn't, I mean, what what would he've done? What would he have gone on to achieve had he not had those injuries? Because yeah, at that time, I think, I think up until the '98 World Cup final, you know, after that things went downhill, which we'll discuss, I'm sure. But mm. up until then, you know, that first season at Inter, that that year at Barcelona, everything he touched just turned to gold. And you know, he was he was a freak of nature physically because he was strong, he was quick, mm. but. He had he had great sort of technical abilities as well. He, you know, he, he was he had great balance. He, you know, he he had great composure. His touch was good. He could he could start and stop. You know, he could he could he could completely go stand to a standstill. Then he could accelerate. He, he just had everything really. And and any time he was in front of a goalkeeper, he always had the composure. You know, he it was he wasn't just like a sort of physical mm. uh, specimen who who couldn't play. He had everything. He had the sort of technical qualities of the best players in the world with the physical qualities of the best player in the world. And he just had them combined. That's, I think that's why he was so unstoppable. Um, and obviously, you know, later in his career, he was still massively, um, massively influential, but yeah. he just, he was a different player because his physical capabilities had waned a bit, but his qualities, his technical qualities were still there. Yeah, certainly. And I think, at that very moment, from what I can see, at the end of that season, he gets awarded the FIFA World Player of the Year as well. Um, but it's interesting, that summer, kind of, 
then kind of embarks what he's kind of to an extent gets remembered a little bit for and that's his kind of uh, his agents and the contract negotiation element of it because that seems to be, form a bit part of his career highlights as well because um this is the first moment where it t- turns to happen because back in the day obviously spanish clubs put these kind of buyout clauses that they didn't feel clubs would be able to afford but uh, massimo maratti decides to exploit this on this occasion um there's a very funny story about um Moratti uh, receives a call about um, basically it sounds like from your bank uh, there's this fee that's going to go out of your account and he says no 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 don't let don't let that account don't don't let that money go out of my account please 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 um, because that was obviously the bit that was going to be um, part of a FIFA aspect before they finalised his actual transfer fee from Inter Milan to Barcelona but um, Barcelona have a bit of a like a history where they seem to. Uh, you know, have these star players, but they don't want to negotiate a high contract with them. And then they end up mm. losing these players. Obviously, later on, Luis Vigo kind of does very similar. But um, yeah, what, what was it? Yep. Did you uncover anything in your book about those circumstances and how it came about? Yeah, so I mean, what I what I learned about that season was that it was a bit of a tumultuous season all, all year, really, mm. because... Cruyff had just gone. When when Ronaldo joined, Bobby Robson was the manager, as you mentioned, yeah. Bobby Robson and, and Mourinho. Cruyff had gone after a couple of years without winning a trophy. And, and there was a real kind of, almost like a, a bitter civil war within the club of the people who yeah. thought that Cruyff should have still been there because he was like a god. Um, and, and those who thought it was time for him to move on. So Bobby Robson's the sort of lamb to the slaughter, really, coming in. You know, really lovely, seems like a really lovely bloke coming in. And, and, and almost like he's on a hiding to nothing already, really. Um, and it's funny because he, he wins three trophies and he still gets moved upstairs at the end of the season. He, he, he couldn't win. And Ronaldo comes into that that kind of atmosphere. And Ronaldo didn't, I mean, he didn't help himself in some ways because he he was going back and forth to Rio every five minutes. You know, he was, yeah. you know, disappearing off to, and there's one way he went back to Rio and a couple of days later, he went back to Spain, and then a couple of days later, he's back back to Rio. He was just he he was going across back and forth across the Atlantic like it was nothing, and it's not really what you want from your your star man. And Bobby Robson was like kind of the he was like the kind of middleman yeah. between Ronaldo and the and, and Barcelona's hierarchy, you know. And mm. obviously, he's trying to keep the hierarchy sweet. He's trying to keep his star player sweet, and he's sort of the the, the middleman and um, the fall guy really. And Ronaldo throughout the whole season, really, that the contract. The, they signed a contract, obviously, at the start yeah. of, the, of the when he when he joined, but very early on, both sides realised that they'd made a bit of a mistake in the sense that the the release clause that you mentioned, Barcelona, <clears throat> Barcelona thought it's too low. We need a bigger release clause because you know someone's going to come in and break it. And Ronaldo's um, people thought, you know, we've undersold him on wages here because look how well he's doing, and we've signed. They signed it was like an eight year contract or something. Mm-hmm. So they thought, you know, imagine if he scores eight, you know, for eight years, he's just scoring goals and he, he doesn't get paid for paid anymore. So they were trying to renegotiate and both sides kind of felt like it was a good idea. They both mm. get what they want. Barcelona would pay a little bit more, but they'd get the security of knowing that if he did go, it would be a bigger release for, uh, release yeah. fee. And it just rumbled on all season, really. Um, it was a bit of a unseemly kind of backdrop to the season, if mm. you like. And it just carried on and carried on. And then it got towards the end of the season. And... Barcelona at this point are still fighting for the league, and whilst Ronaldo's contract has been negotiated, and it's 
it's such a distraction. And, and there's, there's a game, they played a crucial game, which they lost at home to Hercules, who got relegated. And before the game, Guardiola was interviewed and he, and he said something like, you know, let's not talk about Ronaldo, you know, because he was just sick of talking about Ronaldo and his contract. And um, anyway, in the end, they, they, they thought they'd come to an agreement, but then they had another meeting and it basically just all collapsed. And mm. one thing that I could not find out, and it, it, I, I, I felt like it was impossible to find this out, was who, you know, who was to blame because Ronaldo's people said it was Barcelona. Barcelona said it was Ronaldo's people. We'll never know. No. Um, it, I, you know, you, you, you can't trust sort of suits who own, uh, yeah, who, who course, run football yeah. clubs like at Barcelona and you can't really trust agents. Um, so who do you trust? So it's probably a bit of both really. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's probably a bit of ego involved, a bit of greed involved. And um, the result was that Ronaldo's lower release clause, uh, lower release fee mm-hmm. was still active and, and that's where Inter swooped in. So it was a shame really that he didn't get to stay there, but... Um, it it was a bit of a disaster from the start, really. I mean, take away the trophies and the, mm. the forty-seven goals, there was just there was always a distraction, and it was just a it was just a bad time for him to be at the club. Really, yeah. it was you know you look you look ahead to when Laporta came in and and had Rijkaard and Guardiola and the success they yeah. had then, and then you look a few years before where Cruyff was, um, you know, Cruyff's team was he he just kind of got in that middle period where it was all a bit chaotic, really. Yeah, certainly did, didn't it? And uh, yeah, can't help but feel that maybe the agent was there trying to get his fair share with the moves anyway. Um, but we might as well move on to that period. Yeah, I well. think. Gone. Sorry. Just yeah, just that's uh, just um, one thing that I, I read mm. it was that the, the Spanish press called the, the 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 agents the Dalton brothers, referring to um, a cartoon set in the Wild West. You know, in <laughs> yeah. in America, I think they were. You know, just you, you can sort of guess what they what they're hinting at and. I think throughout throughout his career, you know, these these guys were. I think they 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 probably pushed him more than he would have pushed himself. Mm. They, they made they 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 will have made him incredibly wealthy, um, but yeah, there's times where you think they're probably engineering moves mm. that aren't necessarily for the best for his best interests, but with a financial um, sort of focus more than anything. Um, but Ronaldo always always. Um, protected them he always stuck up for them so again you know it's hard to know what you know how much of it was him or how much was he being led down the garden path but um again it's probably a little bit little bit of a mixture of both really Mm. you know he he enjoyed the sort of fruits of you know the yeah the sort of moves they got him and the endorsements and the the salaries etc but yeah there's times where you think you know could he have stayed around for a bit longer and how different would his career have been had he stayed for a bit longer uh we'll never know yeah this is for sure. This is for sure. Um, so, yeah, if we move into that Inter Milan period then, because this was kind of a very interesting period for Inter Milan as well. Um, Massimo Moratti is there trying to build a team that can compete to uh, win the Scudetto. Uh, in that particular season, it wasn't just Ronaldo they just signed. They've uh, had players like Zamorano, even Zamorano join Jokaev. Uh, Diego Simeone also joins from Atletico and you've got the Uruguayan Alvaro Recoba. Um, just to name a few of the big stars. That they, I mean, they already had some big ones already there. So the likes of Xavier Zanetti, you know, Gianluca Paluca, Canu, for example. So they have some really big players and they're trying to compete in this particular season. Uh, Luigi Simeone is the head coach and um, 
they start quite well at the beginning when Ronaldo is unveiled. So obviously he goes for a world record fee at the time. It was 27 million, I think it was in total. Um, so they start the campaign 12 games unbeaten um, and they seemingly seem to do quite well. And, um, you know, everyone's impressed by Ronaldo and, you know, he just seems to just blitz the league at the moment. Um but there is obviously uh, controversy when they do eventually play one of the big guns, and that is obviously Juventus. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that that's one of the points that sort of comes up. But did that kind of come across when you were writing your book as well about how uh, that kind of seems to influence how Ronaldo's career pans out? Yeah, I mean, that first season at Inter, as we said before, was, you know, Forgetting the controversy at the at the end, where they, you know Inter fans will probably say they were cheated out of the Scudetto. You know, again, it was still it was still a good season. You know, for him, mm. um, on a personal note, thirty four goals in all competitions, going to a league that's at the time renowned as being the the best league yeah. in the world. But not only that, it's a league that is synonymous with defending, yeah. um, or 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 should I say that you know Italians pride themselves on defending. Yeah. And he's gone there and he's he scored 34 goals. So again, what I was saying before about his every time he took a challenge on, he just he he just sort of took to it, no problem. And mm-hmm. you know, he was brilliant in that first season at Inter, really good. Um 34 goals, like I say. They finished they did finish second in the league in that in that in that season, and you know, they were so close. Yeah. Aside from that Juventus game, if if that had gone a different way, who knows? They could have won that, that scudetto that they really craved and that Moratti obviously craved. They won the UEFA Cup, which at the time was, you know, it was yeah, it was wasn't like the Europa things. League. Now it was mm. it, it was a big it was a big competition then, and you know, probably with time as well, you look back and realize how how strong it was because mm. you know the Champions League obviously had the champions, but the UEFA Cup had two, three, four oh, really yeah. strong teams from every country. It was really tough competition mm. to win, and Inter won it that year with a couple of performances from Ronaldo, which are probably his best in an Inter shirt. So. The semi-final against Spartak Moscow away from home. It's so cold that even the home players are wearing gloves, um, and the pitch is like yeah. a. It's just it's just brown. Yeah. There's just no grass. It's just brown. It's mud with a bit of sand, and um, he just absolutely dominates the game. And there's some. Oh, it's just it's just a joy to watch for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about. You can just just YouTube Ronaldo Spartak Moscow. It's it's just incredible. Um, and then and then in the final, another great performance against. A really good Lazio team as well. When you look through the players they've got in their team, and and Nesta is the sort of star defender. Yeah. And Nesta just sort of says afterwards, you know, it was one of the worst nights of his career because <laughs> Ronaldo was just, he was just unstoppable that night and scores a trademark goal, beats the offside trap, goes one on one with Marco Gianni, and just sort of like a bit of a swivel of the hips. Marco Gianni goes down, takes the ball around him, and mm. you know, a bit of a trademark goal because the amount of time he went one on one with the keeper and then just sat him down and and. It was like it was just like something he he just loved doing for fun. So, um, you know, yes, they didn't win the Scudetto, but I think all Inter fans would probably say at that time, you know, when he's he's going away to the World mm. Cup, they're probably sort of sat there thinking, okay, we're absolutely livid with what happened in the Juve game. We didn't win the Scudetto, but actually, we're actually really excited about mm. the future now. You know, once Ronaldo yeah. gets back from the World Cup, the next you know the next few years we, we've got we've got a lot in store you know and and that's what they thought but obviously really that that UEFA Cup game was probably the highlight that was probably the peak of his yeah. career with Inter 
Um, but obviously at that point you weren't to know it. No, exactly. And yeah, it's incredible when you look back at that inter period to think that, that was one of his highlights. Um, because yeah, like you said, the moves, the dummies, they were incredible, but yeah, that one first season was incredible. And, um, as you rightly allude to, we go into the world cup, Brazil look like favorites based on the form of Ronaldo. Um, and they do quite well. Uh, it has to be said. Um, I think everyone kind of sees this kind of team growing confidence every stage, and they seem to be unstoppable. And then we've got the famous, I suppose, uh, controversy or you know conspiracy theories come out because it's the final. Um, we don't know what actually happens. I remember being a really young boy, being really confused by the kind of coverage of this particular match because one minute he's in the squad next minute he's not and just for context obviously it's rumored that he's potentially had a seizure overnight or there's something that's happened with him um and it was baffling i mean i've never seen those kind of events unfold and i don't think i've ever experienced it since um but just for context i mean that was one hell of a confusing final before it even started off right yeah, I remember it as, you know, I, I was, how old was it at the time? 15 or so at the time. And, and I remember watching it and because obviously I was a massive Ronaldo fan and I was desperate to watch him mm. you know, go and win the World Cup. And um, I just remember like just sat there with the, my, my jaw open because, I mean, even the even the people in the stadium, uh, John Motson, there's a couple of John Motson quotes yeah. where he's like, you know, he's like, it's, what's going on? Because it even, I mean, those no one... They didn't even know the people in the stadium, the, the sort of journalists and the broadcasters had no idea what's going on. All these rumors flying around, you know, you know, it's in it's in that it's in the era before sort of Twitter and stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. So you can imagine, obviously, if 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 you had Twitter and things like that now, it'd be different. But <laughs> yeah. it's it's just Chinese whispers at yeah. this point, isn't it? It's like you know, no one really knows what's going on, and you know, one one minute is not in the team sheet, the next he is. But you know, he he comes out of the tunnel before the game, and maybe it's. Maybe it's easier to say with hindsight, but knowing what happened in the final and, and then subsequently knowing what happened to him that day, you look back and as he's coming out of the tunnel, he, he almost looks like a ghost. You know, he's just, yeah. he, you know, almost like his features. Mm. Are, he, he doesn't look like he's with it. No. And obviously then, you know, the game, the game goes how it goes. And I think one thing I'll always say though is, you know, had Ronaldo been fully fit, the final might have been different, but we we just don't know. I mean, you know, you've got to also give a bit of credit to France, who they had a brilliant team. You know, it was a it was a home World Cup where the team had become really popular as the tournament went on um, in their home country. You know, it was a, a sort of multicultural French team, if you like, mm. and they 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 got better and better, and and the, the 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 public started to get behind them more and more. And they had some great players mm. as well. You know, you look at you look look at the team. I mean, just Zidane, just for a start. Um, but you know, like Taram, Desai, Bartes, Jorkaev. Yeah. I mean, it was a brilliant team. So who knows what would have happened had Ronaldo been fully fit? Um, but obviously, you know, we'll never know that. And the, the 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 events during the day. So so from what I gathered, that he basically he was carrying an injury throughout the tournament. Mm. So that was that was one of the things that sort of was playing on his mind. The other thing was that there was a lot of pressure on him because he was really the main man. You know. Um, Romario had not gone to the tournament, so you know in '94 when Ronaldo's a young kid in 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 the in the squad, you've got R Romario, you've got Bebeto, mm. so they're the kind of the forwards. 
fast forward to 98, it's just him really. You know, you've got Edmundo on the bench. You've got Danielson, who's just a kid as well. He is the main man. You know, it's all centred around him. And the pressure for Brazil to win the fifth World Cup was huge. And, you know, all that pressure was on his shoulders. Um, so so basically, you know, in a nutshell, he, he, he has lunch. He goes back to his hotel mm. room. And then the... The story is a bit blurred with time. So, you know, I've heard Ronaldo himself tell a couple of different stories. Um, I've heard the people that were there tell a couple of different stories as well. Um, but the, the common consensus is he has some sort of fit um, that never happened to him before that, and it never happened afterwards. Mm. So it's real, mis- you know, it is a real mystery. But he ends up going to a clinic in Paris, having some tests. They basically, the, the, the tests give him the all clear. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, so they rush him to the stadium, which... And at this point, the team sheet's already in. He's not in it. Um, all these teammates are not really in the right frame of mind. You know, there yeah. was a lot of talk throughout that tournament of the Brazilian players constantly, you know, banging drums and singing and dancing. But apparently the coach journey from the hotel to the stadium that night was just like a like a funeral. Yeah. You know, they, they were, that, that, kind of, um, that kind of swagger and fun mm, that, that the Brazilian squad had just wasn't there that mm. night. Um, and then, you know, and then, then he turns up and he says, I'm okay to play. And then they switch him back in, yeah. which is technically against FIFA's rules. But anyway, he ends up playing the game and, and, and we know that he, he didn't really do anything. He had a couple of moments, but, you know, nothing, he did nothing of any note really. And, and obviously, yeah, all the, all the um, conspiracy theories came out, you know, Nike forced him to play, yes, yeah. it's, uh, you know, a chef drugged him. <laughs> Um, all these things, and pretty much all of them have been found out to be nonsense, really. Mm. Um, or, or there's no proof for any of them. And yeah, I mean, Ronaldo says himself, it, basically, a lot of it was down to emotional pressure. You know, again, yeah. you've got to remember he was 21 years old at this point, um, and just a massive, massive amount of pressure on him to, to, to bring home the biggest prize in world football. So that that's kind of what happened, really. Yeah, I was going to ask you about these conspiracy theories because, yeah, the classic one is the Nike one uh, where they uh, obviously are making him play, uh, in particular because of the sponsorship aspects as well, being that he was their star boy. Um, but yeah, it's one of those that we'll never know. I don't think we'll truly ever know really what actually happened on that very night. And um, yeah, unfortunately, a solemn experience for Ronaldo that he will put right eventually. He wasn't going to see that eventually at that point anyway. Um, so obviously, Inter Milan goes back there. Um, still, you know, with this height of everyone loves him. He's a star-studded striker, um, but he does start to pick up some injuries, and in particular one that takes him out for a while. Um, I believe he has an operation in France, but then does a little bit of recovery in Rio. There we go, we're back in Rio again. And um, yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> a, few bit of par- the, the, a few parties. Yeah, a few no parties. That's, that's what I was going to allude to. Obviously, there was a <laughs> little bit of frustration on the Inter Milan side of things as well, because they're like, in the end, it was Massimo Moratti who signs off and allows him to spend time, as well as uh, kind of getting himself built up. I think he spent some time at Cruzario to uh, kind of build himself back to fitness. Um, but when he comes back to uh, Milan and uh, starts playing, that's when his uh, personal physician 
blames Inter now for what would then eventually happen, which is kind of a reoccurrence of the injury. But it was going to be even worse because he comes on for the appearance against Lazio in the Supercoppa Italia uh, in the quarterfinals. And um, yeah, his uh, knee buckles essentially within six minutes of him coming on. And uh, yeah, it's terrifying if you ever see the clip, but the cries from the guy and just the scenes of the players, Mm. they seem so like shocked, but also just devastated for the guy. I mean, in modern day football, that is enough to put a lot of people off in terms of their rehab, but somehow he finds that inner strength to get through this. Um, I mean, was there any parts in your book that really goes into the depth of what he was dealing with psychologically as well at that time? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really important that that what you know, I found out that he he didn't like training. He wasn't he wasn't a, a player who trained hard, <laughs> um, which you know it's pretty incredible, really, when you when you look at his physique in the early <laughs> days. He was, you know, he was he was well, he was yeah. you know, he was obviously in good shape, um, but he didn't like training. But what 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 I found is that when he was injured he trained like an absolute beast, you know, to get back. Like he, he somehow found that um, almost like realizing what he didn't, what he, what he was missing out on, you know, not, I don't, I don't think he ever sort of got to the stage where he thought, okay, when I get back fit, I'm, I'm, I'm going to train all the time and I'm not going to mess about in training anymore. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to train. But when he, when he was injured and when he needed to, he knew how to sort of turn on the, the switch and, and get himself back fit because he just, just couldn't live without playing football um so he, he did he did have that inner resolve that he didn't mm-hmm. always show in in training sessions sort of from when he was young really he was always noted as someone who who didn't really train very hard um so i i, I mean i guess a lot of it just came naturally to him but but yeah i mean as you say he had he had a cup i mean that 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 first season after the world cup there's nothing that requires surgery but he he, he misses half the games that season Still manages mm. to be top scorer with fifteen goals, which is um, which is pretty impressive. But Inter at this point are not great no. at all. They, I think they have four four managers in that first yeah. season. Um, fast forward to the following season, you got Lippi coming in, um, yeah. Vieri coming in as well yeah. with a world record, and and people were like, "Oh, this now with, with Lippi and um, with Vieri, Vieri Ronaldo mm. is going to be absolutely incredible." But I mean, it just didn't it didn't um, pan out like that, no. and and he picks up this injury against Lecce, the first injury. It's really innocuous actually when you watch it back because he, yeah. he just sort of goes up for a header, and as he lands, it, it just sort of tweaks, it, and he it? walks off the pitch, and mm. you, yeah, it doesn't look anything. It doesn't look anything serious, but obviously that puts him out for six months. Six minutes into that Lazio game, you mentioned mm. the, the injury happens again, and as you say, I mean, I, I've watched the footage back, and it's actually quite makes me quite emotional actually because mm. it's just there's I don't know it's something like really haunting about it maybe maybe because then you know you know what he goes through to get back and it's I mean even the players on the other team and, and the crowd and the the medical team from Lazio everyone kind of almost realizes the magnitude of mm. it and sort of you know they all sort of all come come together as one because Ronaldo was you know, he was he was a popular figure. Um, obviously, you know, opposition teams might not have loved him as much <laughs> yeah, as Inter yeah. fans, but you know, I, I think he was one of those characters where people still warmed to him, and, yeah. and to see him in that kind of that kind of state was was not nice at all. It really wasn't. But um, it's funny as well that, that you mentioned that you mentioned that the uh, you know his his personal physician 
was sort of slagging off the Inter yeah. um, medical team. But going back to the Barcelona um, issues, that did 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 the same then as well. Mm. You know that he he went and played for Brazil and he played a few games for Brazil in a short period when he was not fit for Barcelona and and when he when he came back they had a dossier with him to say this is what we've been this is what's wrong with him this is what we've been doing to get him better and almost gave it to the Barcelona uh, sort of medical team mm. to say this is what you should be doing um so you know i think there was a lot of that going on where they didn't really trust the the club the clubs he was at they didn't really trust you know their medical staff but um yeah so i mean he's obviously got that big injury and that that's the big one you know that's mm. the one that puts him out pretty much from what's that April two thousand and you know he, at least he plays year, again in it? yeah pro- may, yeah it takes him well over a year it mm. takes him it takes him till September two thousand and one and then even in that season really he doesn't play that many games he only plays fifteen games in that whole season mm. for Inter um in the in the build ups to the World Cup and as you say there's times where he's in Brazil recuperating um and partying as well um, but he's he's getting ready for the World Cup and 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 thankfully we get to 2002 in the summer and and he's ready for that world cup but another issue that he had at inter was was hector cooper yes, as well yeah and one 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 thing that i i i found when i was researching was you look you look at the managers that he, he had success with bobby robson you know really yeah. nice affable guy luigi simone similar mm-hmm. um del bosque yeah. uh, del bosque with real madrid and it's the kind of people who would probably put an arm around him, would probably give him a little bit of leeway. And then it was the people like Lippi and the people like uh, Hector Cooper, Capello going forward, um, you know, those people that really didn't understand how to handle yeah. someone like that or they didn't like his personality or they didn't like the fact that he, you know, wasn't towing the line. Mm. Um, so, so him and Hector Cooper did just, especially with his injury problems, yeah. You know, he was saying something like, you know, they'd, they'd play on a Sunday and then on a Monday, Hector Cooper would have them in and they'd do a warm down, but it'd be like an 8K run. <laughs> you know, so you, you've just played you've just played a game on a Sunday in, 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 in the toughest league in the world and then you do an 8K run. Like, so, you know, it's it's probably no wonder that he couldn't really get fit uh, or, or couldn't really get the game time with Inter that he needed. But thankfully, anyway, we get to 2002 in the summer. Mm. He goes off to the Far East and then, um, you know, obviously creates that that story that that we live on forever really yeah i was gonna say obviously you stole my fund on that hector cooper relationship bit because um that was fascinating obviously hector cooper during that season kind of goes to the press and says the reason why i didn't play ronaldo was because he didn't suit the conditions or he didn't tactically fit what i was trying to achieve um it's interesting because they're obviously in a three-way fight for the Scudetto that season as well with Juventus, their old kind of rivals, as well as Roma. And on the last day of the season, unfortunately, Inter lose 4-2. And you see the scenes of Ronaldo coming off the bench or coming off the pitch. He's substituted off, unfortunately, on that occasion because uh, Inter Milan have a bit of a bad day on the pitch, whereas Juventus secure the... Uh, title win with a 2-0 win against Udinese that day um, but yeah it, obviously like you say it goes into summer he has a fantastic campaign with Brazil has a new haircut to go with it and uh, yeah a lot of kids <laughs> seem to try and copy the haircut as well but um, yeah he wins them the actual cup with that fantastic goal against Oliver Kahn in the Germany goal and it's a 2-0 victory for Brazil but 
when he leaves the World Cup, that's where the tension with Inter Milan happens again. And this is where Moratti kind of like backs Hector Cooper over Ronaldo. Mm. Um, so initially, from what I understand, there's supposed to be a meeting, but Moratti's on holiday abroad. Um, so therefore, he can like cancels the meeting with his advisors and then they kind of leak to the press not leaking but just saying yeah I don't know where my future lies and it's basically that kind of fight off between the two which surprisingly you know Marathi kind of but like backs Cooper which is really strange given that you've got this huge talent and by all accounts you know you've got players like Vieri saying look we'll take a wage cut just to keep this guy at the club you know we want him for the next season we know what it's going to be like but was there anything that you got from your like your research that kind of indicated a bit more around that relationship was there kind of a real hate between the two between um, Ronaldo yeah 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 I mean the I, I can't remember the quotes off the top of my head but there's you know there's some quotes from Ronaldo that are quite cutting really you know uh, uh, he 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 felt that Kekta Cooper was almost scuppering his chance of going to the World Cup and the the, the crazy conspiracy theorists mm. you know some people said oh you know he's from Argentina and he doesn't <laughs> want Ronaldo to be fit yes, which is a, is nonsense I just I, I just think that's Kekta Cooper's style really and um they just didn't uh, Ronaldo said he was fit as well there's loads of times mm. where he said I'm fit and I'm not getting played yeah and Hector Cooper would say like you said, Hector Cooper would say, well, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. And even in that game, you mentioned on the final day of the season, you know, he gets taken off and do you want to take Ronaldo off if you need a goal? I don't know. Um, you know, not in my opinion. Um, and yeah, Marathi did back Hector Cooper, which is is weird because, it's weird in one sense because he, Ronaldo was his guy, you know, when he, mm. he, he was chasing him for years and then he finally signed him. But really, when you, I suppose when you think about it, 2000, if you look at it in 2002, Ronaldo's not really kicked a ball properly for for Inter in in four years, you know he's he's he's, he's had you know he's had little spells here and there where he's played a few games and and you know, and, you know he's scored he scored a sort of handful of goals in that time, but it's probably not not so surprising when you think back that after four years Moratti might have thought okay you know as much as I love Ronaldo this it's not working you know so mm. that that's why that's why I think I can kind of see both sides of the story if you think that that it's strange that he backed the manager rather than the player. Um, and it was probably, with hindsight, it was probably, not not with hindsight actually, because it actually panned out how it panned out, but it was probably the right thing for Ronaldo to move on and, and, and probably the right thing for Inter to move on as well. You know, it, yeah. after four years, I mean, how, how long do you keep going with it and, and waiting for it to um, to get better? And and again, you know, talking about what ifs, he goes to Real Madrid and he, and he, and he scores 30 goals for, for three consecutive seasons. Yeah. Would he have done the same at Inter? Again, it's it's sometimes easy to look back and say, "Oh, look what Inter are missing," but it might not have happened for him at Inter like that. So, so you can't really say that. Mm. Um, and and I think the move worked out best for for Ronaldo as well because you know he went to Real Madrid and, and did what he did. Do you get the sense as well from what you did the research on that there's um, from an Inter Milan perspective they felt a bit uh, dismayed and maybe. Um, kind of sense of loyalty was broken by Ronaldo because, you know, they've kind of helped him get back to his very best. You know, they got him into prime condition for that World Cup and then for him to demand to leave, essentially. And there was always going to be that bitterness, I suspect, um, because of those circumstances, especially with the fans. They felt like, you know, 
we've trusted you we we paid you your loyalty but yeah i mean i don't know if that ever came massively across I think- apart from the kind of the exit there's that famous kind of scene where ronaldo's having to be protected by police to get out of his place when he's trying to make that move to real madrid i think i think in terms of inter milan getting him fit for the world cup he would probably argue that it was the opposite that he you know did it himself and that if anything inter milan and and the manager were not helping him to get fit you know that that you know he went and you mentioned it before, he went away for a, a while as well at the start of the year before the World Cup and, and went back to Brazil for a couple of months. And, you know, he got mm. he got very fit then as well. So I think he would probably say, no, actually, you know, if anything, they scuppered his chances of getting to the World Cup. And, and you know, the fact that he wasn't being played when he said he was fit. Yeah. Um, you know, so I would I would definitely say that. But yeah, I mean, I think you can you can understand the Inter fans that, that didn't want him to go, but... I don't know how much bitterness there'll be. Um, I know that in 2018, when Inter opened up their Hall of Fame, he was he was one of the first inductees. Mm. And you know, um, I was speaking to Richard Hall, who 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 does uh, English language coverage for Inter, and you know, he was saying that if you're doing it all time Inter eleven, you pick ten players who would would absolutely die for the shirt, and and you know, were there for years and won loads of mm. trophies. And then you'd pick Ronaldo just because he didn't do any of those things, but he was just that good that you just can't not pick him. So I think there's still, you know, a bit of um, still love there. And also, you know, probably a bit of sympathy as well, because, you know, he did go through hell in those mm. four years. And, you know, you know, I don't think it wasn't for the want of trying on his part for him, for that, for that relationship to, to be better and for that period to be better. It was just, there was just some very unfortunate events and, and like I say, I think I think him moving on in two thousand and two was probably probably for the best, really. Yeah. So he makes a move to Real Madrid, uh, big fee, forty six million euros at the time, um, and he forms part of the Galactico era for Real Madrid because um, he's joined by Zidane, Luis Vigo, David Beckham at the time as well. Um, but as you allude to, what he seems to do is just break records continuously, and he's breaking them continuously. Um, so I'm sorry I'm going to evoke these memories, but it's the second leg of the quarterfinals where Real Madrid take on Man United. And um, that performance, I remember watching it from just TV sets at the time, but that was one of those special nights for not just Real Madrid, but for Ronaldo himself, because the applause that he gets from Old Trafford is also just one of those that he, I think he kind of reminisces and says, like, it's a special memory for him as well. Um was that kind of what we yeah. want to remember Ronaldo and Real Madrid in that period of time about that particular performance? Yeah, I think so. It was it, it was you know a very a very special occasion, and you you don't often applaud opposition um, players. And yeah. I, I, I remember that Ronaldinho was applauded um, against Real Madrid when he played there, and and I remember this Ronaldo one where he gets applauded, and I think. You know, even the most bitter football fan sometimes just have to, has to hand the, hold the hands up and say, you know, you're in the presence of of greatness. Mm. You know, sometimes you just have to, you know, put all your rivalries to one side, etc., and just be like, this guy is incredible. And, and and again, I think sort of going back to what I touched on with the Lazio thing, where you know there was so much sympathy mm. for him because of what he went through, and and he was popular, you know, and and there, there would have been an element of 
people in Old Trafford that night thinking, do you know what? Like, he's just scored three goals against us, but what a great player he is, and 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 all, almost remembering what he's been through, and and you know, wanting to kind of honor him if you yeah. like. Um, and 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 this is this is a Ronaldo as well that is kind of what I would call Ronaldo version two. You know, yeah. he's he's not the same Ronaldo from '98 and before. He's kind of um, he's a different kind of player. He's not a he's not a kind of player that's all over the opposition half. You know, he he's more of a cent. He's more you know he's more central. He's probably more of a center forward. Um, you know, more of a you know he he, he plays higher rather than mm. coming dropping deep all the time, going left, going right. He sort of plays a lot higher, and uh, he's more of a sort of classic number nine really. But even though he's lost some of his physical qualities um, and and he's probably weighing a little bit more than he did in his peak. He's still, I mean, t- to go to Old Trafford at that time and score a hat trick, and you know, a couple of the goals are brilliant as well. Mm. You know, to do that is is just is just is very special. Yeah, the irony being that that season they then meet Juventus, who um, he scores in the first leg, but then is injured for the second leg, and unfortunately, Real are eliminated by Juventus that season. So, shame for Ronaldo again. Um, but yeah, if I kind of fast forward it. Then final two seasons um, for Ronaldo at Real Madrid. He, he kind of obviously there's a change of management. Capello's now in charge. He's um, acquired Ruud van Nistelrooy from your very selves, Man United. And um, this is where kind of again he kind of clashes with the coach. It, it becomes a difficult period for Ronaldo, but also Ronaldo's form drops off a little bit because of injuries as well. Um, again, is that something that came across quite evidently that there was a clash between the two? Because he makes it very obvious when he makes the move to Milan. His opening statement is, I would have still been mm. there if it hadn't been for a certain man called yeah. Capello. He doesn't, he doesn't hold back, does he? I think um, that that's kind of what I was talking about before, you mm. know, likes of Hector Cooper and, and, and Capello. I mean, Capello, people say that when he came to England as the England manager, he, he banned ketchup, you know, and <laughs> this is the kind of guy we're talking about. So how is he going to deal with Ronaldo who, you know, supposedly likes fast food, likes, bur- you know, likes beer, mm. likes women, doesn't like sleeping, likes partying. How's someone like Capello going to sort of take to someone like that? Yeah. You know, you know how it's going to go really. Mm. And, and yeah, and Ronaldo is, you know, around his 30th birthday. So he's, he's not, he's not a, He's not in his, he's, he's not in his prime. Um, he's he's got more weight on him, and Capello alluded to his weight new, on numerous occasions. So you can just see really that that we're never gonna get on. Um, Van Nistelrooy came in, potentially could have played together, but but you know really Van Nistelrooy was gonna be Capello's main man, and um, there was only really ever gonna be one outcome, and and that was that Ronaldo would would make an exit, and but yeah. I don't, I don't think many people would have thought that he'd end up um, back at the San Siro, but in the other in the other colours. Yeah, well, this is where it kind of rifles up the Inter fans as well. Um, but obviously, if we talk about AC Milan during that period as well, obviously, well-run club. You know, I think they're in awe of a lot of people around the world because of the talents that they've got at their disposal. You know, you could think about the likes of... Pirlo, Seidoff, Gattuso, that kind of ran that midfield. The back line was so strong with the likes of Nesta and Stam, for example. Their whole team was just solid. And then you've got sort of this kind of player who, yeah, he looks a bit overweight, but he can still score goals. And there's a really famous quote from Carlo Ancelotti asking him, 
why should I play you? You know, you, you just don't seem to run around. You don't seem to do a lot. He says, look, do you want me to run after that ball, chase it, or do you want me to score goals? And he, that's what he does. He just goes there and scores goals. And um, from that period, I mean, there's also that famous kind of matchup where he obviously has to take on Inter Milan and Inter Milan fans are given whistles. So every time in the San Siro, he's on the pitch, the whistles are blown, but he still scores. He still scores against Inter Milan. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a brave boy for even doing that. Um, but yeah, what was kind of your memories of Ronaldo at AC Milan? Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's obviously, um, he's obviously, you know, past his best. I mean, also that he's got longer hair for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Um, which sounds sounds a, a daft thing to remember, but I remember he just had sort of you know a bit a bit bushy curly curly hair, um, which he, he always had a shaved head throughout most of his career. So maybe that's sort of showing that he's he's a different player. Mm. I mean, going to in, going to Milan, sorry from from and having played for Inter, but he also went to Real Madrid, having played for Barcelona, and um, yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah, I think I think he had a thick skin, and 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 he became when he scored that goal against um, Inter, he became the first player who'd scored in the Milan derby for both teams mm. and in the um, Spanish uh, Clasico. So uh, that's that's a pretty good um, thing to put on your sort of CV, isn't it? Um, but yeah, again, he didn't really play that much, but Ancelotti, I think, was, you know, managed him quite well, as well as he could have done, really. And again, Ancelotti's another one of those player, he's, he's like a sort of player-friendly manager, yeah. if you like, you know, that would put your put his arm around, give you that confidence, give you that boost and not be too hard on you or make you do things that other players would have to do. Um, because there's no point treating Ronaldo the same as you treat some of the other players. You've got to give him that that individual um, tailored plan, really. Um, so you know he he scored he scored I think it was nine in nineteen for for a, a Milan, mm. um, which is not a bad it's not a bad return. Yeah. It's not a return that yeah it's a good it's not a bad return really for a player like that. And um, you know there was there was ta- times where a lot was promised, but in the end again another major injury happens to him in um, February. 2008 it was so um and then that's it that's that's his last action in a european team yeah. and um that's the end of his sort of european uh, and and the, the other thing that's funny about that that time at milan as well is that milan win the they win the european cup in 2007 and he's cup tied and it's <laughs> just you know he never won the european cup and you, you just look at that game you, you look at that game where he's cup tied and you just think oh that's so cruel the sort of twist you know the the gods mm. of football you know not letting him be involved in that game and him never winning the european cup and and being one of one of the best players never to win the european cup really um yeah it's just quite cruel really but uh yeah so then after that injury against livorno that's it that's him yeah. done there and, and european football is over and he, he goes home yeah he does go home so he signs for corinthians um so yeah Obviously, it's going to be one of those uh, kind of swan songs, I think, in terms of his career. Um, declares himself as a Flamengo fan, obviously, publicly, but um, obviously signing for Corinthians, one of their rivals. Um, what, what, what would we kind of reminisce about that spell? Because it, do, it does seem like he scores a, still a decent amount of goals despite his injuries and you know his body kind of coming to an end. But he still seems to offer a little bit more for that particular period of time. Yeah, he's, he does. He still scores a few goals. He wins a couple of um, cups with Corinthians as well. There's the, con- the there's the controversy about Flamengo. So, I mean, his, his side of the story is that he was training with Flamengo for three or four months. 
and you know, but but nothing was ever forthcoming. Mm-hmm. So he was training there, and, and nothing, and and then Corinthians offered him a deal, and you know, again, what what's the sort of what do you believe here that? Because I kind of think that if I want to play for Flamengo and I'm as powerful as Ronaldo, I say, when are you giving me a contract? Or Corinthians are offering me this. What are you going to offer? But he, he, he sort of he got offered the deal by Corinthians and, and left and, and sort of said that Flamengo never really wanted to sign him on a contract. Um, anyway, so he ends up at Corinthians and has a good couple of years there. The the, the sort of the, the feeling around Brazil at the time is, you know, it's, this pandemonium when he goes to all these stadiums, you know, around the country, the, the crowds are massive. Mm. Um, the photographers are all over him. It's like quite a big, quite a big story. Um, and then, you know, they, like I say, they win, they win a couple of trophies. They win the state championship. They win the, the Brazilian cup. Um, but it kind of all goes sour around 2011 when they miss out on the Copa Libertadores, which is, you know, yeah. again, a, a sort of another massive trophy mm. that, eluded him i mean he he didn't spend a lot of his no, well he, he didn't spend any of his peak no. in south america but i think he was hoping that he could win that and um they had roberto carlos as well corinthians and he, he was he was kind of hoping that they'd win that and then that would be almost like his way to um you know bow out of football if you like but they kind of went out in a bit of a um after a bit mm-hmm. of a poor performance and there was loads of stick from the fans and and ronaldo just sort of said you know that's me done now. You know all the sticky, all the stick they were getting at the time, his physical state, and it was just right time in February two thousand eleven to uh, to call it a day. Mm, shame, but yeah, Brazil is quite notorious for their fans being quite vocal, right? Um, <laughs> um, one thing I wanted Absolutely. to really quickly ask is, in terms of his whole career and part of your research, did we ever get an idea from Ronaldo himself if he was? gutted that he never made a move to another league or another particular team because I think there's always been that kind of feeling that he'd love to have experienced the Premier League at one stage um, but I don't know if that was ever true No, I mean, I don't know I don't know how close he ever came um, I remember as, as a United fan, I remember there was a time where he was linked to the Premier League and um, it, you know, it, but you're also getting, I mean, I remember at the time United were linked with um, Salas, yeah. Batistuta, you know, Marcelo, so, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Cliver is another one. And so you, d- you don't know how much of it's true and how much of it's paper talk. I'm sure that, you know, n- would he have wanted to play for Flamengo? I don't know because he had the chance later in his career. He also had trials when he was a kid and, and um, they didn't want to pay his bus fare. So he, he um, didn't end up going back the second day for the, the next, the next part of the trial. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe if he could go back and do things again, he he would play for Flamengo again. But he 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 doesn't strike me as the kind of person who is overly loyal. Um, you know, he, he Cruzeiro when he went mm. when he bought Cruzeiro, that was the first time he'd ever been involved with a club for a second time. You know, he never he, he never went back anywhere. Yeah. Um. So so perhaps he was not that kind of person who was, you know, had a particular affinity mm. with the club and then wanted to, you know, longed to be there or so. So I, 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 I don't know. I think, you know, he played, he played in Spain, Italy and, and as well played in both countries twice yeah. effectively. So, um, you know, he spent pretty much most of his peak of his career and, and some of it afterwards in those, in those two countries. So I think he'll be, uh, you know, quite happy with where he ended up. <laughs> and just final question for me, I suppose. Um, was there any particular funny stories that you came across when you were doing your book? 
Yeah, there's, I mean, there's quite a few. There's um, there's just a couple of little anecdotes. Mm. Uh, one of the one of the PSV players that I interviewed, he, you know, he he just talked about how funny Ronaldo was, and this is he he was obviously really young at this point, um, and he just said, you know, he he used to make the make everyone laugh, and he'd be doing kick, you know, he'd be in the change room with nothing on apart from a pair of boots doing keepy uppies, and that you know, you just kind of get a, you get a vibe about yeah. his um his personality and 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 how popular he was. And um, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Craig Brown as well, who okay. um, sadly passed away mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. And um, he was talking about, you know, the, the 98 yeah. World Cup. And, 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 he, and he, was, he was such a good person to interview because mm. uh, he, he just wanted to carry on talking. In the end, I, I sort of cut the interview <laughs> short because it was, it was going on for ages. Right. And he just wanted to keep on talking and it was brilliant. But um, he was so kind of passionate about managing Scotland and just some of the stories he was telling... Um, about you know so so first of all he, he spoke to Bobby Robson and asked him how you stop Ronaldo and he basically said you don't yeah, you know you, you can't. almost like what you were saying before about the, the French video you can't stop him so you know you need to come up with something else but um, he he tells quite a funny story I've, I've heard him tell it other other people as well Craig but uh, he, he says about when Brazil who in '94 it was no I think it was a qualifiers for the '94 World Cup they started holding hands when they were coming out of the tunnel um, as like a sort of you know show of unity and. Uh, the way Craig Brown tells the story is that he he saw out of the change room door that they were walking down the corridor holding hands. So then he 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 says to his players, "Lads, you're not going to believe it. I've just seen them. They're absolutely shitting themselves. <laughs> they're holding hands. They're that they're that scared of you." Um, and obviously, all the Scotland players thought it was funny. Yeah. And he just said that 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 kind of you know that broke the ice and that yeah. just sort of um, let them sort of have a bit of a laugh before they went out and you know got rid of any nerves. And uh, then they went out and they got beat, but you know yeah. they didn't disgrace themselves. So uh, yeah, they did. So yeah, that that was that was uh, that was something I remember was was doing that interview and um, and and just you know learning little funny funny stories like that. No, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Dan. That's really good. I, I've I've kind of evoked memories again, uh, reminiscing about those classic times with Ronaldo. Um, but before we kind of get you to. Uh, introduce yourself to the audience where they can catch you i want to kind of plug your book more importantly so um let's talk about your book where can people find your book and more importantly what is the name of your book as well so so yeah the book is is called phenomenon which is um a nickname that was given to him while he was well while he was in italy but uh you know quite well describes his uh just 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 how he was he was just phenomenal yeah. wasn't he so uh, it's a it's a fitting nickname and and I felt that was, you know, a, a good name for the book mm. as well. So um, the book's out now. It's available now. It came out a couple of weeks ago and you can get it from anywhere where they sell books. So you can go Waterstones or you can get it on Amazon or you can actually contact me and I can arrange to send a signed copy to you. So um, I've got a special Twitter account for the book, which is at Ronaldo book. So, um, yeah, you can't go wrong with that at Ronaldo book stuff and so if you want to contact me on there or follow me and you can you can see what i'm up to and how the book's doing fantastic fantastic well for those that are watching make sure you give us a like and subscribe as well and make sure you tune in to our future episodes as well so you can follow us on twitter at italian anglo pod or you can follow us on uh, instagram at anglo italian podcast and we're also on twitter at uh, on tiktok even sorry at Anglo Italian podcast. 
Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed that particular episode. Many thanks to you, Dan. Really loved that. And for you, listener, hopefully you've enjoyed that. So we'll see you next time on another episode of the anglo Italian Podcast. Podcast Network.